Real fast, I wanted to tell you about my new podcast, Upworthy Weekly. It's a lighthearted news podcast. It comes out on Saturdays. And I have forced my co-host, Todd Perry, to join me here to help me tell you about our new venture. Todd, why should they listen? Well, I mean, a lot of people, they think, oh, it's the Upworthy podcast. It's just going to be sunshine and it's going to be unicorns. But you know what? It's really not that. Allison doesn't have the ability. She doesn't have it in her to actually be that person that I thought we were hiring when we did this show. But clearly, after just a couple episodes, the facade dropped. Okay, I thought, you know, she's doing the Upworthy show. It's not going to be like, oh, neurotic, cynical Allison, but no, she's there. So, you know, I try to counteract that with some of my good vibes. <laughs> um, I would argue that if one person is coming off as a little bit cynical and unhinged right now, it's not me. It comes out every Saturday, wherever you get podcasts. Bye. Allison Rosen, Allison Rosen is your new best friend. Allison, Allison, with perfect good times never end. Allison Rosen, doing the wavy pencil pants again. Allison Rosen, Allison's your new best friend. Hey everyone, hi, hello, welcome to another episode of Allison Rosen is your new best friend. I'm very excited to bring in my guest in a moment. I'm sitting in my studio, it's Friday. Now this is the time that normally I would be catching up with producer, bad boy of podcasting, Tony Thaxton, but he's still on the road with his dumb rock band, Motion City Soundtrack, abandoning me. I would hope at this point in the tour, he would have realized he doesn't want to be on tour with his dumb band. He wants to be here recording my podcast with my wonderful guests. The one today is actually a friend of his. I, that's, I know this person through Tony. But apparently, he still, not only has he decided that he enjoys playing drums live for thousands of people, but there I was today, sitting at my computer, just tap, tap, tapping away, doing work as I do, when, doink, a little bubble appeared on my computer to let me know something had been added to my calendar, and it was more dates in September. This guy doesn't know when to quit. So um, I don't like that very much. Tony, if you're listening, and I know you are, because you're going to be the one editing and mixing this. <laughs> uh, what are you trying to say? Anyway, and by the way, longtime listeners know this is usually the time of the show where I update Tony on important developments regarding like insects I've seen in my house or studio, things like that. And a pretty big, not, I don't mean it was actually a small insect, but it was big in terms of me. I don't mean compared to me. I mean, like, cause that would mean I'm very small. I just mean it felt monumental emotionally. I mean, I could barely get it out. A lot, a lot happened when I saw this insect and then I had feelings about it. And then I came to a personal decision about whether I want to actually have plants in my house. And I can't even tell Tony that now. So now he's affecting the show. Okay. I got to move on because I'm a professional. 
I'm on Patreon, patreon.com slash Allison Rosen. If you feel like you need more of this, maybe I could even go into full detail on the insect story there. Bonus episodes, behind the scenes content. I just did a very juicy bonus episode with Stephanie Wilder Taylor. Um, and uh, you can see videos of the Thursday shows. Love where you can text me and I'll text you back. Subscribe for a year and you get two months free. Patreon.com slash Allison Rosen. Okay. My guest today is someone who I recently had during a Tony's Picks Thursday show. He was a guest. Uh, and I was like, I need to force this person to sit down with me for a longer period of time without these extra people where I can just ask him all my questions because I need to know more. He is a wrestler. He is a host. He makes coffee in his underwear while talking to people. Please put your hands together for RJ City. Hello. Hello. Um, I, I was Tony's pick. Yeah. And I felt like a burden. You no. know, don't mess this up. And I feel such a relief that I'm now your pick. That's right. You're Allison's pick. Yeah. I'm no longer conditional. I feel like I was led into the little treehouse there on yeah. a conditional, like, don't touch anything. Don't mess this up. Don't get trunk. And then you're like, no, you can come back. And now I'm here. Then Tony isn't here, but I had dinner with him a couple weeks ago. I heard. Now, I heard a little bit from Tony's side, but I want to hear, how did you feel about it? Well, I don't like being in Las Vegas. Yeah, I know. Because I I watched your coffee and your underwear from Vegas. Yes. Yeah. So I, I know about... I was not there yeah. to joyride. I was there for business. <laughs> so I did not like spending any money. But then it was so nice to... Uh, I feel really proud of myself when I say, oh my God, yeah, we can meet up and whatever. And then I actually do that with somebody. Yeah. I feel like a real big shot, like mm-hmm. I'm making things happen. <laughs> so I mean, it was lovely to finally meet him in person, number one. But number two, I felt good about myself that I made that happen. Now, because... you're someone who doesn't make I don't feel like it's because you're someone who doesn't make things happen is it because like look at me I'm in town on business and I'm also socializing I feel like because I'm in town on business my socialization is better because Mm -hmm. the working part of it takes some of the edge off of me If it was just, if I was in LA and I had three weeks and I had nothing to do, I was going to do a pilot and it fell through and I'm just hanging out, I would be horrible to hang out with. Right. But because I'm so occupied during the day and I'm a little tired and Mm. I think that works to my advantage, it relaxes me and I feel like I'm less overbearing. Do you feel like you're naturally overbearing? Are you like a little too much? I need... A certain amount of of an outlet to burn off some energy to like fully calm down. Got it. So that makes any sense? That totally makes sense. But normally you hear about things like that with like young children and very energetic dogs. Yeah, I would say that's very very similar. I'm very annoying with nothing to do. <laughs> so I imagine that Tony told this to you. I don't feel that I'm speaking out of school, but he was just stunned to find out how young you are because Mm -hmm. your references are so timeless. Yes. But also, I mean, how old would I have to be for those references to make sense? I have to be entering my 70s. Yeah. (laughs) So most people, I mean, I'm I'm running out of people to talk to. (laughs) It's true, though. How do you have such classic references? I blame my grandmother. She was like, sit down, and this she had, I think, a level of cultural snobbery (laughs) 
of like classical, like Laurel and Hardy, mm-hmm. Abbott and Costello. I don't know if you're familiar with Victor Borga. I know the name. Okay, he was a classical pianist, and he would do yeah. this kind. Whoa, he would fall off the bench and play things <laughs> upside down at like stupid, like the people that you would see on PBS pledge drives. Right, right. Those people. This was like the highest class of entertainment for her, and that's what I was raised on. So I didn't really know. I mean, <clears throat> obviously, I knew there was other stuff in the world, but to me, it was like, oh, these, this is, this is it. Right. There's nothing better than this. Right. So I have to commend you. And compliment you, which I feel like I did on the Tony's Picks show as well. But you host Hey EW, a yes. play on AEW, which is the oh my god, what is it called? A Let's Federation? figure it out together. Look at me in my face. Yes. What's the first word? Starts with an A. All. Very good. E. A higher, an upper echelon, the upper crust, the best of the best would be excellent. Close. Ah. E. Elite. 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 Wrestlers. And then, yeah, the W W is usually wrestling. Right, right. But, and see, this was a a true pop quiz because I wasn't even going for what it stood for. I'm just wondering, like, WWE, AEW, what are those referred to as? Like, guilds? Federations? Companies. Companies. Oh, my God. That's such a down market term. That's not going to work. And they're not even like teams. They're more like their own. Right. With their companies. Like the NBA would be, I guess, a company. It's so corporate. Or a league. It's so corporate. Yeah, but saying league implies that it's a sport. Right. (laughs) And that's also incorrect. Well, how about a a troop? (laughs) I like to say it's a troop. Yeah. It does feel like, and the stuff I do, the Hey W stuff, which is a, a... parody talk show with wrestlers who are barely real people (laughs) as am i so it's you know whatever but it does feel like very similar to being a kid and being in my parents basement and having a video camera yeah so it does feel like a little troop kind of little rascals kind of thing all elite wrestlers who all let me just uh you know a little footnote they all died horrible terrible deaths i know the curse of the little rascals yeah. i know one yeah. of them wait i just recently heard <laughs> again was it alf what did out Al- what happened to alfalfa alfalfa i think everything dried up yeah and i think he joined the army he was in the army and then he got out of the army i think he was all messed up and there was a drive-by shooting <laughs> And they were looking for someone else, and they thought he was that someone else, and they shot him. Did I'm it... sorry to laugh, but it is truly the curse of the little rascal. Do you know if it happened in Burbank, perchance? Because there was something that happened to one of them in Burbank, because mm. I feel that my husband used this footnote to debunk some <laughs> point I was making. Okay. Because I think I was saying, like, there's not a lot of... Right now, there's a new gun store opening in Burbank. So this is like the talk among people who are not super enthused about guns in Burbank. Right. And uh, it's the 14th gun store in Burbank. Burbank actually has, in case anyone thought they were tuning in to hear from RJ City, you're actually tuning in to hear about gun stats in Burbank for one minute. It has the second highest per capita gun sales in the nation, which is insane. I didn't realize that when we moved in. Um, wow. But I think I was – so there's this question of like, does everyone in guns have – so everyone in Burbank have guns or like are people coming in? What's going mm. on? 
But it doesn't seem like there's a lot of gun crime in Burbank, is there? And I think right. he's like, Alfalfa from Little Rascals was shot in Burbank, I yeah. think. Okay, maybe. that makes sense. But and, I don't know. And I'm going to throw this out to just show off my knowledge. Alfalfa's real name was Carl Switzer. Now that's always a stuck good in name. my head. It is a good it is a good name to juxtapose Alfalfa. Right. It feels really like the true Hollywood, you know? Who did one of them have a black ring around his eye? You're thinking of the dog. I know, I knew you were gonna say that. And I'm not psychic. But I also now I'm just getting a real jumble of memories. Yes. But was there some kind of like novelty trick where you it was like a scope yes. that you looked into and it left a black ring around your eye. I feel like there maybe that was in a Little Rascals episode or I something. I think that was in a bunch of things of that okay. period. <laughs> that was the oh, they had one prop and they passed it around from show to show. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hal Roach, yeah, he made a lot of uh, saved a lot of money that way. Yes. Yeah. So anyway though, what was I saying about all of that? There was <laughs> definitely Oh yeah, no. All the Little Rascals are dead. They're all dead. I was giving you a compliment. You look how down to earth you are. I was trying to give you a compliment yeah. and you interrupted me. I uh, said, here's a list of old deaths. <laughs> okay. I was giving you a, co- I got sidetracked because I, because I was like, it's a company, it's a troop. I didn't yes. know what to refer. So, hey, EW, the hey, show. Hey, EW. Yes. That's what I said. It sounded yeah. like, yeah. Hey, EW, the show you do where you interview AEW wrestlers, Correct. which is very funny and everyone should Thank check you. it out. The questions that you come up with, because I wondered, is someone writing them with you? Is it you? And according to Tony, who might be a liar, he he has abandoned me, so I question his character. He said, it's you. Um, they're so clever. They're so funny. And to me, because I um, my background is in journalism, and I wrote for a lot of like alternative weeklies and things like that. Zines? Any zines? I did write for some zines oh. as well, yes. Um and f- for lad magazines and a ho- and like a lot of uh genres of magazine that are no longer around mm-hmm. but where there was a lot of emphasis put on crafting sort of funny clever questions yes it, you know in addition to more straightforward profiles and things as well but but we were very amused by funny questions that was an art form in and of itself and your questions are so funny and i feel like that isn't around that much anymore and to me it's like a real throwback and i just think it's like you had this question and i'm going to botch it but it was something like you know your bio says that you knew you wanted to be a wrestler from age four on so what i'm wondering is what did you want to be from one to three yes so i love that so, uh, yeah, Tony Khan, who owns AW, was a fan of my work online. He just knows everything about every wrestler. He has his finger on the pulse, knew all my stuff, and trusted me enough to pretty much come in and let me do, under the circumstances, what I wanted. No one has ever looked at my scripts. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't understand that they're just like, okay. Uh, until I read them out loud, including the guests. Mm-hmm. I really don't run anything by anyone. And it's like a credit to Tony for being so trusting. And it's also a credit to the guests. Like people are like, how do you do it? And I'm like, I'm not doing anything. It's the, you know, it's the courageous guest who's like, sure, I'll, you know, roll with these questions that I've never heard before that are about my life and career. I, I'm lucky because wrestling is full of inconsistencies 
and things that don't quite make sense. Mm -hmm. I get lucky in that regard that I enjoy poking around there using certain that they have analogies and metaphors and nicknames that are just stupid. They're always (laughs) stupid. And so for anyone who's, you know, a logical person, they don't make any sense. So I enjoy going there. I enjoy researching things about the people that they've probably forgotten. You know, everyone has wrestled under a different stupid name at some point and have had matches that they're not proud of or have forgotten that even existed. And I also like asking dumb questions that sound like smart questions. (laughs) And that's a perfect example because it sounds like a real question until you like stand back and look at it. Yeah. And then, but I also leave it up to them to answer how they, I I don't script them. Right. You know, here's these questions. I don't know. There's a bunch of them. And, you know, take them however you want, I guess. Some people get upset. That's Some people laugh. And then some people, you know, play along. It's up to them. So some have gotten upset. Like, well, for they real get, I mean, they get thrown up. I don't know if they get for real upset, but they get angry in their own way. If I'm attacking something that's, you know, theirs. I did one with, with Arn Anderson, who's like a wrestling legend. And no one has seen. It, and he's just. I think he's from Georgia, and it's just, it's two people who should never be in the same room. <laughs> and that's what I loved about it. So what happened? We, it was just, we disagreed on the pronunciation of Mauve, <laughs> <laughs> which I had never anticipated happening. You say it uh, Mauve? Are we talking about yeah, the color? Says, yeah, you say Mauve. I say, oh my God, the disdain in your voice. <laughs> So my understanding, I'm getting to the bottom of this, it may be a Canadian mm. pronunciation derivative from the French pronunciation. Yeah. Oh, it says the way you say it does sound French. Yes. Yeah. I did. I never felt bad about myself till right now, but the, <laughs> the French said, disdain in your face and voice is making me feel yeah. tray bad. Yeah. yeah I say ma- I, up, up ma- till yesterday, up till right now, I said mauve, but now I don't ever even refer to that color anymore no i feel like the higher you go in society yeah you bring up that color excuse me what is this the higher they the more you respect them the more likely they are to say mauve well i just say pinkish purplish from now on so he says mauve as well yeah which blew me away and then so we started arguing about that and here's someone that i grew up watching and i have your action figure and now we're genuinely arguing about the pronunciation of a color were there other words that you uh pronounce differently sometimes i like to mispronounce words on purpose oh and then what happens well sometimes i get called on it rare people will call me on it i'll i like to say scenario i feel like that's ex- an acceptable mispronunciation but it's ra- it's just stupid yeah like what world are you living in you know right we've right. only heard people say scenario mm-hmm. I mean, you're, just, you're living in a mauve world is where you're living yeah, you're I with know. the upper crust it's, it's a it's a mauve scenario <laughs> right unfortunately yeah i remember and it's insane that this was as amusing as it was but it was like this was one of my better nights <laughs> i was out i lived in new york um and some friends who I hadn't seen in years were in town. And it was the kind of thing where I got together with them. I hadn't seen them since college. And immediately I was like, I have forgotten how funny they were. And we sat there talking about the word extravaganza 
mm. and pronouncing it different ways and laughing about it for what felt like half an hour, if not more. And it was like extravaganza, extravaganza, extravaganza. No, there was yes. like four different. I, f- I feel like we had four different permutations. It was extravaganza, <laughs> extravaganza, extravaganza. I can't remember anymore, but we came up with all the different ways to say it. And it was very fun. I love, I mean, and also, but it has such a different meaning. Mm-hmm. You, you just judge the person based on how they pronounce that. Yeah. As I just did to you. I know. Well, that's the thing is that I didn't expect to be lumped in with, what's this guy's name? Arn? Arn Anderson. Well, I mean, it's good company. Like A-R-N? Yes. Arn Anderson. I don't know if it's Arnold or. But he's from Georgia. He's from Georgia. And he yeah. says mauve. Yeah, he says mauve. Like that's I not. I was the. Outlier. I was the exception, I guess. Um, all right. We're going to move on. But first, I have to know. So we're not going to move on. <laughs> Eventually, yeah. we might move on. <laughs> okay. Or not. I mean, it's a tautology. Okay. The man's name, D-O-N. The woman's <laughs> name, D-A-W-N. Yeah. Could you pronounce those for me, please? This is, Okay, so here's your first one. Don. Okay. Mm, here's your second one. Don. Oh, my God. Of course you're one of those. Okay. Because yeah. to but me... I, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say my, my imaginary fantasy drag name is Don Knotts. Oh, I like that. Yeah. It's a good one. Yeah. But if that was the... F- the gal's name, how would it yeah. be said? Dawn. I said it like that. Dawn oh, not. That yeah. was you saying it like that? Yeah. Otherwise, it would be Don. Okay. I put I put the W in there. Well, here's Dawn. the thing. And I imagine yeah. that you have run into people like this before. Well, maybe not because you'd never heard mauve. So mm. you are living a sheltered life yeah. <laughs> in Ohio. Are you in Ohio? Ontario. Have you ever been, been to, in I'm, Ohio? I've been to Willoughby, Ohio. Oh, we talked about that. Yes, on the that's le- why yes, I associate that's you with Ohio. And you just said, in my mind, he's going to live there. <laughs> I like it. And it, that's where I placed Well, you. so this is my question to you. Yeah. So you say yawn. If someone's tired, mm-hmm. you say yawn. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right? The, I, but if you say yawn, like yonder, you say yawn, not yawn. You don't say yonder. It would be weird. You would say yonder. I don't know how many times in your everyday life you say yonder, but I think the point remains. Well, in so this is going to sound strange to you in Ohio. Yes. <laughs> or Ontario, as the case may Whatever be. Whatever works. The same. It's all the same sound to me. It's like I have sound blindness. This is a, wow. I believe it is a regional thing. I can hear the difference when you say it. But right. I pronounce to me it's dawn and it's dawn and it's lawn and awning lawn awning dawn dawn coffee it's all one vowel sound. Wow, I know. So the problem is with your your ears, your brain, or your mouth. The problem's with you. Okay. <laughs> the problem with everyone. Else. Um, I see. I don't know. I suppose. Oh my god. You're really getting me to uh, expand my horizons because yeah, and these this, are the kind of probing questions this that is I'm the, known for. This yeah. is the first time I'm willing to consider that the problem might be mine. 
Mm-hmm. Which is really growth on my part on Upworthy yeah. Weekly. That's the uh, lighthearted news podcast that I do that comes out every Saturday. We have this segment where we rate our week. And no, mostly we do news stories, but then we mm. rate our week and then we say whether we're a better person or not than the week before. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and uh, it's to be, it's be, it, the, the challenge is not to be like a little self congratulatory. Mm-hmm. But um, I think that this is going to be my like, yeah, I am, because I considered that maybe it was a me problem. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I am. What I think is sort of like, let's say you are used to only knowing, you know, a certain number of colors or no, that's, that's a bad metaphor. Like how you're used to a certain scale of music and then you hear like a, another country scale. No, that's also a bad metaphor. You're a metaphor guy. I, you have a very uh, narrow palate. I guess, but it's like, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to articulate what it is because I can hear the difference, but I can't reproduce it because it's so, it's, it's, I'm not yet familiar enough to be able to figure out where one, where dawn ends and dawn begins Mm -hmm. because it's so, it's very murky to me. Right. And I'm not about to start. No, well, and I think it's also in the same way that like people have difficulty picking up the flavors of wine, yes. the notes in it. Yes, right. That's right. Sure. So, I mean, I, do I, you want me to just say it? We perhaps have an unsophisticated palate. <sighs> wow. And I don't mean that as a, it's just the way it is. It doesn't mean you can't become sophisticated. You feel that it is more sophisticated to have. A different accent when it comes to pronouncing this vowel sound. Well, I can switch it up if I needed to. You seem you're telling me you're unable to, which seems to inherently be the problem. The problem can't be oh, there's so many ways to pronounce things. How's that the problem? Well, okay. You want the world to be simpler, and it's not. Okay, it's, it's not going to happen. Okay. Oh, the sun's coming up. It must be. Dawn. <laughs> oh, look, there's a guy. He's Dawn. Or, I've or... never seen someone so <laughs> distressed about the morning before. Did I say it right, though? You were like Dawn? a vampire realizing <laughs> daylight's out. Your face went, Dawn. 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 Yeah. Dawn. When you get Dawn. to the point that you don't have to. Dawn. Dawn. You know, Dawn. 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 When you, Dawn. I can't when do you it. you get to the point where you have to stop, <laughs> you know, straining your face, then I think it'll be okay. <sighs> I could talk about vowel sounds for the whole show. We could. And we could also talk about Chubby Chaney, uh, Chubsy Ubsy, who got very, very large, Little Rascals, and then was given some sort of horrible old-timey surgery and lost uh, way too much weight and then, like, immediately got sick and died. Oh, no. What did... That's another death. Like, I don't know. You know how they used to give people, like, speed as weight loss pills? yeah. You know what I mean? Like, the whole thing was a... Who knows what they did to him? It's they tragic. Should not have been performing surgery no. on anybody. Mm. Yeah, Chubsy, Chubsy Ubsy was his name. Chubsy Ubsy, yeah, it's cute. He, I bet he, he hated it. Adorable. I'm sure his parents liked making money off of him, right? Because this was this like is before the child labor laws yeah. and before the yeah the whole Macaulay Culkin like my parents shouldn't have all of this thing. Right. Right. Um. Okay. Ontario area. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh. How how did you and I think I know 
I think we talked about it a little bit, but remind me how you got into wrestling. I don't remember not being into wrestling. It was a thing, like, it was already in my brain. I don't remember, like, life being normal and then, like, aha. It was just, like, always a thing that was on. And so was the Muppets. Mm-hmm. And, like, old show business. And the Muppets were very old show business inclined. That was a really good gateway to the Milton Burles and the Ethel Mermans because they had people on that show that were not at their peak. Right. They had, uh, oh my God, Kay Ballard. Like, what? Why are you having her on anything? I mean, she's wonderful, but you know, people who are not current then, right, and are less current now, and and that was always, always one and the same to me. And it is. That's my great like uh, thesis: is that wrestling is just a violent Muppet show. <laughs> and were you? Was this like did? Was it your your grandmother's influence that is associated with the Muppets as well? Or was that at your parents' house? Yeah, I think, well, yeah, I mean, Milton Berle, oh, yeah. And then, of course, like, the Muppets are, like, acceptable because they have these people on. And, and then I, my parents were very supportive of whatever. If he wants to act and sing and wrestle and, you know, whatever, let him do it. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure they inherently thought, let's encourage while he's young and then he will even out. Mm-hmm. And what they didn't foresee was the lack of evening. <laughs> do your parents do sensible, quote unquote, things? Yes, they have real jobs. <laughs> yeah, they have real regular jobs, but they, they you know, uh, are inclined to communicate via entertainment <laughs> and make jokes and sing and and it's like a way of communicating, mm-hmm. you know, like a family kind of thing. If they shoot, and we would always like watch the Twilight Zone every New Year's and dissect them the same episodes over and over. And so that stuff is like, I don't want to say it's second nature because it makes me sound like a prodigy. It's not a problem, but it's like that's how I learned how to like connect with people. Right, right. So you were always into performing and entertaining and entertainment. Yeah. Yeah, and in a way where, not that I thought, well, I was special. I was just like, why isn't everyone doing this? Mm -hmm. This is fantastic. Why are we not, you know, and then getting older and realizing, like, wait, when you guys were, like, in sixth grade and we all wanted to become wrestlers, and, like, now you don't? Like, what's wrong with you? Right. Now, why did you say sixth grade and not grade six? Are you actually from Ohio? that's That's a Canadian thing, too. You, I thought grade six is Canadian. Yes, the grade six is Canadian, but I was I have been made fun of before. Oh, for saying grade six, they would say like, "Oh, it sounds like I'm in the Victorian era." Now presenting grade six, so I learned how to Got switch it. it because yeah. my palate is perhaps more, more sophisticated. So you were co- you were code switching, <laughs> yeah. and here yes. and here I was wanting mm-hmm. the original, the original mm-hmm. Canadian. I'm switched and compromised. It's yeah, long gone. Right. That person doesn't exist anymore. I know. Um, okay. Were you always athletic? <laughs> I would I would not say I'm athletic. I would also say wrestling somehow can include people who are not necessarily athletic. This it's is, a weird way of running. It's a weird way of moving your body. It is. It's, it, I mean, certainly athletes are in wrestling. If you're an athlete, you could be very good at wrestling. Does not necessarily make it so. People come from MMA and they have difficulty because it's a different body language. You have to leave yourself open to be hit, mm-hmm. which is it goes against your normal 
natural athletic instincts. Right. Because you would probably Mm -hmm. want to get out of the way of something, someone trying to hit you. I see. Normally. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the best wrestlers are, are somehow unathletic in a sense, where they go, they have better body control. Is it more akin to dancing or stunts? Yes, it's more akin to dancing. It's more akin to improvising. If you do any kind of improvising and someone makes a physical offer and lights go down and lights go up and someone is opening an oven, you read their body and you go, well, they're opening an oven. And it's like, what you cooking? Like, so obviously, similarly with wrestling, I mean, not that it's not generally planned in advance, although they could use a rehearsal, but... <laughs> You know, you can you can feed for certain things. If I'm crawling on my stomach, I can leave myself open for the other person to hit me in certain places. Mm-hmm. So we're communicating. Obviously, you can communicate verbally when you can, but we're also communicating physically. Right. So it is like, you know, which is dance, right? I don't know. I don't dance. But. So wait, you are saying, though, that you can be a wrestler and not be athletic, though? Like, have you really seen people I who are so. not? naturally athletic at all out there yes and there are people who are you know to to be crude freaks (laughs) those like these giants these seven foot people or old wrestlers who used to be 600 pounds and they were like a sideshow and that's part of the i mean that's really where wrestling came from was the carnival it's like a you know we're mocking real competition Mm -hmm. although sometimes it can become real competition and people are good enough, a lot a lot of wrestlers, to be real competitors. Right. They wanted to do it for real. But, you know, you want to put, like, the really small guy against the really big guy and see what happens. How do you not get hurt? Uh, you. It should be – I always say for something that's fake, it should be more fake. Mm, so you do get It'll hurt. It would be, like, really good. I mean, hurt – the difference between being hurt and or being injured, injured. – is being like banged up. I mean, people play football and they're banged up and knocked around and whatever. I try not, as I, you know, this is the Muppet show to me. So it's not real to me. I don't want people to get hurt. Mm. I would love for people to think I hurt someone. Mm. I don't really want to hurt them because then I think the illusion is gone at right. that point. Right. I punched you in the face. It's like, okay. So, and. <laughs> Okay, so what is so you so Tony has uh, told me more than once. He'll be like, "Wait, did I tell you that there was a period of time where David Arquette was super into wrestling, and he and RJ used to wrestle?" And I'm like, "Yes, you did. That is weird. What's the deal with that?" So, as you can see in his documentary, "You Cannot Kill David Arquette," David used to wrestle as a cross promotion for Ready to Rumble back in like the year 2000, 2001. He dabbled. It was a disaster as most things in his life are. <laughs> Years later, he decided to get back into wrestling. His old write- writing partner was a, f- a fan of mine, he used to go to the wrestling shows in Toronto, and was like, follow this guy and like talk to him. So we started tweeting, and we hit it off because David's family has been in show business for like four generations. So it's like this uh, crazy history. And so I started, I can be a little pointed and mean on Twitter. And we started a Twitter feud and he was probably unaware that it wasn't quite real. And then it turned into this whole thing and it coincided with the documentary he was doing. And he decided that we should wrestle. So we wrestled. It was his first match back and he went into the match with, I believe a broken rib. Mm. And then he left the match with a broken rib and a black eye. 
So I was responsible for the black eye, for something that should be a little more fake. And then we ended up forming a team, a begrudging odd couple tag team for like at least another year, pretty much. And we've been friends, begrudging friends ever since. Wait, what kind of begrudging? Well, he's he's a 12-year-old boy. I don't know how to explain it. He's <laughs> eternally hopeful. He's genuinely kind. And that leaves him to be like very vulnerable and also to make perhaps not the best decisions because he doesn't, he doesn't think things through. Mm-hmm. He says yes and then figures it out as he goes. And I'm just, I'm the opposite of that. I will think and then do nothing. <laughs> do you think yourself out of action? Oh my God, all the time. I will think myself into exhaustion. It's really like taxing, mm. you know? And then you're just like, oh, I can't even. And the best way to deal with it is to not deal with it, which is no way of dealing with it. He could learn a lot from me. <laughs> I could also learn a lot from him. Yes. Um, yeah. I, this is, that's, uh, I'm relating to you because <laughs> yes. that's my, uh, that's my problem. Yes. Um, where do you think it comes from in you? The overthinking. I think it's perhaps the downside of having an imagination. The downside of being creative mm-hmm. where I can, oh, you're going to interview this person. I go, okay. And then I can start thinking like I can play it in my head of how I want it to go. Mm-hmm. Very vividly. Their face, my face, the rhythm, the timing. That is very productive when I'm writing something. Mm-hmm. But when someone goes, oh, do you want to come to this party? (laughs) And then I start envisioning vividly all the people there that I don't want to see. What if somebody has a problem with me and I didn't know about it or Mm. something happens and I can't get home and it's too late? And and then my mind just very imaginative, but not in a helpful way. Mm -hmm. You know, at a certain point, like no, like. No trait that anyone can have is good all the time. Yes. Yes. Um, are there... So, wait, to tie it back, yes. the reason I enjoy being busy is because it occupies that part of my brain. Mm-hmm. So I can be so busy with that stuff and the work that's going on that I can say, sure, Tony, I will see you, instead of envisioning ways that you're going to sabotage the evening. <laughs> Do you feel like you have social anxiety? Yes. Oh, yes, I do. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Are you- and, then, uh, and then I do this stuff. And then sometimes like this is my social activity. Mm-hmm. You well, know, I don't want to do this and then go out. Right. It's like, what are you, Eddie? I just spoke to this woman for 90 minutes. <laughs> I, are you crazy? But, but stuff like this, I feel like for someone with social anxiety can be a little easier because the roles are more defined. You know? It's so much more defined. Yes, yeah. it's so much more concerted. I'm not really worrying if I have to now ask about you. Yeah. Because that's not, I'm a guest. Mm-hmm. Like, it's clear. I am a guest. You're a host. Right. Your name is in the title. You're leading this. Yeah. It's so much easier. And it's also like, you don't have to sit there and have a moment of like, does she really want to be talking? Why? Did I? And I'm like putting thoughts in your head, but or and I don't mean to be, I'm. I'm imagining what I would feel if this were actually a social situation mm-hmm. with someone where it's like, are they just being nice to me? Do they actually want to be here? Do I, you know what I mean? Like yes. there's that, the, there's so many other things that aren't, you don't even have to consider when it's like, 
we're going to be here at this time. We're both going to be talking into a microphone and it's like assigned and it's structured and it's just. Yes. So it's kind of what else is nice nice is that the goal isn't even like, say, if we had went out for dinner or something and we're talking. Okay, fine. And then if time goes by and we're both looking at the menu and there's too much silence and I'm like, oh, no, is it me? Am I, you know, whatever. But here the goal is the show. Yes. It's neither of us. I mean, I'm obviously the guest. You're the host. But we're working together for the sake of the The audience. That's right. But you and Tony went out and it seems like you had a fine time. We did have a good time, yeah. We had a lot of built up. I've been a fan of his for a while. Not musically, because it's just like drums. Who cares? Yeah, so fuck that. <laughs> but uh, bizarre albums, and then he he knows so many old things, mm-hmm. and then I know old things, so we just traded. Right. What did you guys nice. both eat? I had a an entree wonton soup. Was it a giant it was- wonton or a giant bowl? It was a giant bowl. Not that many wontons, to be honest with really? you. There was also noodles in it and then huh? shrimp. Well, yeah. They really did their own thing there. Yeah. Kay. I think he got some sort of chicken dish. Snapchat. Where'd you guys go? Attention. We went to this noodle place in the hotel because it was the cheapest, least busiest place. Got it. Got it. Now, I'm guessing you don't gamble with your hatred of Vegas. No, I don't. I love to find licensed machines for movies and television shows like Little Shop of Horrors mm-hmm. and I'm like woo and then if I'm up 10 cents I you know cash cents. out I've beaten the system <laughs> like I'm not a sucker I'm right. not an idiot you know what I don't like though this new thing that's been going on for I don't know 60 years in Vegas it seems like a long time now but it's new to me yeah. where when you cash out, they just give you a piece of paper instead mm-hmm. of like actual money. Cause then yeah. it's just like, well, now I got to go stand another line. <sighs> yeah. No, you want to feel like an old rich man. Mm-hmm. You want to feel like Scrooge McDuck. Yes. What I also don't like about Vegas is the popularity of Terry Fader. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. That was my, oh my God. I forgot. That was like my, f- I thought about it for so long. That was my favorite, like, dry throwaway no offense if you didn't think of it as a throwaway line from your sorry what did you just say it's okay i was saying it's okay that was my my favorite little my favorite line from the video you made what did you refer to it the like how did you refer to the comedy of terry fader or the magic of Terry, the show of Terry I, Fader? I can no longer remember because I was in a I was in a flow state. Oh my god! Because it was I guess so it touched me personally. Good. It was like the like the the moderate com the moderate. Oh my god! It was like the best the <laughs> best like underhanded dry put down of Terry Fader. I, I'll go. I, I almost want to like Please, go back because now I'm interested. I need to know what. It, Oh my god, it was so funny. If you talk about him and why you dislike him for a minute, I bet you'll remember. Well, I will say, and this has always been in the back of my head, you know that the U.S. economy is ultimately doing well when it can support another Jeff Dunham. (laughs) (laughs) Right. That's like, I think think we're all doing okay. I don't think we're headed towards a recession as long as this guy is making money. Oh, God, how did you put it? It was so good. Is it? Oh, I, I think I know what it is. But And this is a very strange thing. Does it have to do with, like, politics? And, like, he's kind of declaring his politics by not actually stating them? I don't. May, maybe it was, like, <laughs> the, like, moderate 
comedy or restrained or it was like much much it was like some sort of like I don't I can't remember but it was such a funny way to put it. It was so that- it was like it was so it was so sarcastic and like so clear that you're not a fan. <laughs> oh god, what was it? It's just something about it. There's something about the broadness of it. Yeah. That look, I'm sure he's, I'm sure he's a nice guy. But and then the fact that he's just he looks like the king of Las Vegas. His face is everywhere with this turtle puppet. Should we find it? I mean, I could like if we could just have Tony cut it out where I go find it. If you want me to, if you want me to find it right now, I could. Sure. Okay. Is let's this do my, it. My coffee and underwear thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It wasn't okay. I love that. I, I don't even remember. I was in such a like. I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna let all my grievances about Vegas go in this video. What else is here? Terry Fader. I love good, clean, moderate ventriloquism. And uh, this is like, I'm happy I'm here for work. Let me put it like that. I just love it was just such a perfect disc. Good, clean, moderate ventriloquism. And they didn't even say it like, yeah, it wasn't, <clears throat> it wasn't that backhand sounding. That's why it and was, certainly yeah. if you wrote it on paper, it wouldn't read like that at all. That's why I thought it was so good. <laughs> um, yeah. And that's, I just, I love, that is a, that is a real insult to just say you're about nothing. <laughs> yes, I know. Oh my God. But you know what I think listening to that, I think... <laughs> That is someone who has some emotions about something. Now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. Um, look, BetterHelp is online therapy. Uh, let's talk about burnout for a minute. Uh, burnout means a lot of things to a lot of people. It could be working too much. It could be not taking enough time for yourself. Uh, I have experienced burnout in a number of different situations, jobs. Sometimes, I mean, certainly during the pandemic, I have felt uh, I felt just the the beginnings of burnout kind of creeping in, just feeling like this is this all feels very the same. It feels samey, and it's it's hard. Uh, life can be overwhelming, and many people are burned out without even knowing it. Symptoms can include lack of motivation, irritability, fatigue, and more. We associate burnout with work, but that's not the only cause. Any of our roles in life can lead to us feeling burned out. BetterHelp Online Therapy wants to remind you to prioritize yourself. Talking with someone can help you figure out what's causing stress in your life. Um, and BetterHelp, uh, they are amazing. I have two friends who are doing BetterHelp online therapy right now. They both started up therapy during the pandemic. They tried to get in with traditional therapists. The wait lists were incredibly long. They were able to start up with BetterHelp right away, and they could not be happier um, with their experiences. They have both just been um, – this just – it's really it's worked out so well for both of them. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Our listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash best friend. That's better, H-E-L-P dot com slash best friend. Again, better, H-E-L-P dot com slash best friend. 
I also want to tell you guys about Nutrafol. 30 million women are impacted by weekend or thinning hair. If you're among them, know you're not alone and that there's a solution you can trust to deliver results. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement clinically shown to improve hair growth, thickness, and visible scalp coverage. Nutrafol supports healthy hair growth from within by targeting the five root causes of thinning, stress, hormones, environment, nutrition, and metabolism. And Tony leaving to go on tour through whole health, through whole body health. You know what? My joke derailed what I was trying to say. Apologies, although Tony going on tour is not great for your hair. Let me just back up a second. Here's the five causes of thinning hair in addition to your producer leaving to go play drums with his band. Stress, hormones, environment, nutrition, and metabolism. So Nutrafol supports healthy hair growth from within by targeting those through whole body health. Nutrafol has three unique formulas to support women throughout all stages of life, including postpartum and menopause. Each formula is physician formulated using natural drug-free medical grade ingredients in consistently effective dosages. So you get the most reliable results. In a clinical study, 86% of women reported improved hair growth after six months. 3,000 plus top doctors and stylists recommended Nutrafol as an effective and high quality solution for healthier hair. You can grow thicker, healthier hair and support our show by going to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code ROSEN to save $15 off your first month subscription. This is their best offer anywhere and it is only available to U.S. customers for a limited time, plus free shipping on every order. Get $15 off at Nutrafol.com and that's spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com promo code Rosen. Again, N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L dot com, promo code Rosen. And I love Nutrafol because it has made such a difference in my hair. Again, N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L dot com, promo code Rosen. All right. So, RJ. um, Yes. What was the, I'm wondering about the wrestling scene in Canada when you were growing up there. Well, and you're there now. Clearly, you're not in Ohio. um, Versus... Uh, here in in North America, uh, you mean in America because yeah. Canada is in North America. As I said that, I'm I, just going to bring know. it around for your, your listeners, not for you because I know you knew it, but I just as I, to I felt, for your I felt it. You know, yeah. it was a real swing and a miss. I was like, I'm mm-hmm. going to. Uh, anyway, it's okay. Yeah. Your your geographic palette isn't as sophisticated. Oh my as god, you no, no, it's definitely not. Uh, show. Like everything in Canada compared to in the States, it's the same but smaller. Like everything. Like we I think we only have three or four flavors of Oreos here. Oh, we have all we have so many. And then you go to the States and they're like, just tell me what you want and we'll make an Oreo <laughs> out of it. Anything. Please. Smash other cookies right. together. Anything you want. So it's um I'm trying I'm trying to think. It's less like there's there's less of it, which means there's some stuff in the states that is better and there's a lot that's perhaps worse in the sense that, you know, anytime more people do something, it's going to be a chance for things to be small. Like there's a lot more and then a lot a lot of things will be a lot smaller, but it's weird. Ontario is a very large province. Mm-hmm. So you can drive, you know, for for 15 hours and still be in it. There's a lot of people, when you say you wrestle in Ontario, it means a bunch of different things. Mm-hmm. So, like, 
you can go to Ottawa and, and Quebec and, and there's like a different vibe out there. If you go up north or if you go out east or if you go out west towards Hamilton and then being in Toronto, I was lucky enough, like I can dip into Buffalo. There was like a bunch of good shows there and Pittsburgh and all down that kind of like those lakes and then go over to Detroit. So I was in like a decent central area. And are you, is that where you are now? I'm right now I'm in Toronto. Yes. Okay. But it's not, I don't wrestle there. I don't. Right. Yeah. There's, no, yeah. but I was just trying to place you in Ontario. Yes. yes. Got it. Okay. I had another Canada question, but it seems I have lost it. Mm-hmm. It was about mm-hmm. the culture. It was about the people. It was, it was something related to wrestling. No, yeah. no, it was about, okay. I, so I read online that you went to Ryerson College. <laughs> yeah, university. Sorry. University. Sorry. I'm sorry. Yes. But wait, don't, it doesn't university mean like, to, university there means something here, regardless. Right. So I think university means college. And then college in Canada means like community college. Oh, I see why you got your yes. knickers needed in a to knot clarify. Then. Yes. Also, they just changed the name of Ryerson. I think it's the Toronto Metropolitan because apparently Ryerson, not that nice of a guy. Oh, really? Yeah. Got it. Okay. So, it's a, I mean, you don't have to do it. I went to Ryerson. Right. So well, I didn't meet the guy. He was dead, like the late Chubby Cheney, of course, <laughs> Carl Switzer. <laughs> um. Okay. What did you major in there? Do you call it a major there? <laughs> yes. Thank you. In this continent, we call it major. Culture and entertainment. Oh. and Which what is kind of not surprising. What was the culture part? Well, it was basically like the psychology and sociology of pop culture. Oh, that's a fun that major. Sense. Yeah. And I think it shaped me in terms of how I look at stuff, especially wrestling. And I got I was lucky enough that like... Not that many people, scholarly types, write on wrestling. Mm-hmm. So the professors are like, sure. Never, never had this topic before. Knock yourself out. And so I was able to do stuff like that and figure out, like, why why are things like this? So you did some uh, analysis of wrestling. You wrote about yes. wrestling. Yes. What did you determine? Or, and what, what did you write about? Just the the identity crisis the there was a lot of and it was something that i didn't really uncover until like later i'd be like oh the the latent homophobia in it mm-hmm. how they would have to previously they would you know identify a gay character and they would make him so clearly gay uh as if to say that's gay mm. and Everything else, the homoeroticism in wrestling is not homosexual. I see. <laughs> because that's what a gay person is. That was like huh. fascinating to me. And you re- and now you look back through, you know, 30 years of being a wrestling fan and you're like, oh yeah, that's very, very true. They would have the one gay character and they would he would be shamed, you know, basically for being gay. I mean, it wasn't that mm-hmm. that explicit, but right. pretty explicit. Right. But to do it and then it's like the fear of male intimacy we have. And then it is, I mean, it is homoerotic. Mm-hmm. It's men and bodies. And there is an intimacy, whether it's sexual or not. Right. It's a physical intimacy. And then people construe that as sexual. And also the idea of, and this really shaped how I wrestled, is that we're, we're playing masculinity mm-hmm. the same way that in a drag show, they're playing femininity. Mm, that's so interesting. 
and they're exaggerating it and they're, you know. Right. And, and then I saw that and I realized like, oh my God, like this is a drag show, mm-hmm. except, you know, it's the other way. And also most of the time wrestlers don't seem to be aware of it. Yeah. It's like a, would it be accurate to say it's like a burlesque of masculinity? I don't know what the actual yeah, well, I mean, it is. is. It's just like, I would say it's like a drag show. Yeah. The same way that you, you know, like a drag queen would draw on their eyebrows very right. big and very thick. It's the it's same thing pl- with yeah, these muscles. Like, what are these muscles? It. They right. don't do anything. Right. They're for show. Biceps? Mm. We need to do biceps <laughs> for what? Right? So, and then you look at that and you're like, okay. And then I began, once I like understood that, I began to play with it. Mm-hmm. So... You know, what if I don't do the go-to masculinity stuff? What if I'm just le- – and not not to say that I came out and tried to be feminine. I tried to be very non-aggressive. Mm-hmm. In your in your wrestling style, you mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and that, you know, started to inform my personality mm-hmm. in the ring and my attitude. And it also, I think, came from me as a person. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'm an aggressive person in that traditional masculine like kind of way right so it was good for me like internally it felt natural and like i would come to the ring i would sit on the top rope and i would cross my legs (laughs) because it was the least and i saw like jack benny Mm -hmm. and he was very Mm non-aggressive always and i thought well what if you you know because that to me seemed like the opposite of wrestling so what happens and i'm doing it and people want aggressive display of masculinity because that's what wrestling is to them right and then when you don't give it to them they get freaked out and they start to boo mm-hmm. and it's like well great now we have something here mm-hmm. that's so you know interesting. and it's also a really good way to do that um while getting away from the shamed gay character right because that's that's also not what i wanted to do mm-hmm. you know Let's do something a little different and a little more knowing and a little more smarter. Mm-hmm. A lot of people say like, oh, wrestling isn't what it used to be. And they try to make it, you know, more ba- like back in the old days. And it's like the cat's out of the bag. Everybody knows. So like, let's maybe take it forward. So when they say wrestling's not what it used to be, what do they mean? Yeah. It's a great question. Probably means different things for different people. It was simpler. It was a lot more fun and this is certainly not just in wrestling's case. We knew a lot less about it. People thought it was real, right? I don't know. I always debate that. It was outed in maybe since the early 1920s, 1950s. There were articles coming out. Because you, I mean, anyone with a basic understanding of physics, you realize you can't bounce off the ropes and you can't do that shit. It makes no sense. Mm -hmm. And even when I was a kid and I thought it was real, I would still play wrestle with my friends. So I understood the concept of play wrestling Mm -hmm. and doing stuff like that. So I always, I I don't know, when people say like, everyone thought it was real. Sometimes I think that's an almost insulting way of looking at it. Mm -hmm. You know, because I don't, I don't insulting, insulting to the audience. Yes. Because I think, no, I think they knew like even Gorgeous George in the 1950s and he's, he has a butler spraying perfume around the ring. Like, (laughs) Are these people that uh, I'm not saying they didn't get into it, right? You know, they didn't push their buttons, but yeah. like, come on. And a lot of times, old school wrestlers will say, "Back in the day, everyone thought we were real," and that's kind of a way for them to have one over the wrestlers of today, right? Is right. is stupid. It's like, no, no, no. Or is the difference that now 
wrestlers talk about it being fake, whereas back then they didn't. Is this almost yes. like if magicians started talking about how they did their tricks? Is it like right. code? Although, I mean, but but then I think about movies and how the, there's like the discourse, if I may use that Please word, do, yeah. around movies is all about, you know, how it's being made and mm -hmm. what's gone into the the writing and oh, then maybe they should have taken a different story and the director wanted a different cut and all. Right. They're into the business of the movie and it doesn't necessarily ruin their enjoyment of it. Right, right. So I, I don't see why they have to be like magic, mm -hmm. why they have to be exclusive. Right. But I'm saying is that, but the wrestlers who are upset with the way it has changed, do they yeah. feel like you guys are, like something is lost because now you're just openly talking about it being fake. Yes. 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 Okay. Yeah. And it's just like, uh, listen, and if you do your research, like if you know the history of wrestling, it's been pretty publicly outed a bunch of times and people knew, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I'm pretty sure some people had the idea that Kamala was not uh, a savage man they found in the jungle. I think we can figure this out. Right. On our own. That's really interesting. I, I'm really fascinated by um, the like exploration of masculinity, and it sounds like the archetypes and things like that. Um, was this so? This was like undergrad stuff you were doing. Like, did you try to publish any of this, or have you thought no, about? They told me they were like, "Hey, you can absolutely come back and write your thesis and blah," because. They didn't really have anything, especially anything that was written about wrestling was not from the inside. Yeah. It was, you know, students looking at it and saying, this, these ropes are bouncy. So I I helped fill in gaps because mm -hmm. <clears throat> I had started, you know, I, I understood the, the inside part of it. But I was also like, I don't want to do that right now. Yeah. Like, I think I can go back and do that right. later. It's like a back pocket thing. And then maybe do a real pompous lecture on it that right. no one will pay attention to. It's so but, interesting, though. Um, did people in the wrestling world know that you, that you had sort of started, uh, doing some of this stuff? The scholarly yeah, I mean, stuff? I didn't really talk about it and until we started, you know, talking about wrestling in different concepts and, you know, because it's the similar, it's similar to different forms of theater and you draw those parallels, you can understand them better and you can let them bleed into each other. Right. So yeah, I mean, people ended up finding out. But it also helped me, like, learn the history of it. And mm -hmm. that also helped me, like, to try to do stuff that had not been done before. Right. Or to bring back stuff. And I was like, well, I haven't seen this in a while. Like, let's try this. Um, Some of the – so the idea of, like, a super – like, the the so what you're saying about, like, there's this – homoeroticism in wrestling, but there'd be one character who was like very yeah. clearly gay and then he'd be shamed. Yes. Um, or this Kamala character who, or who, this is not, I'm not familiar with this, but like what yes. I'm hearing is there's these. It was a savage jungle okay. stereotype of like, yeah. Yes. So that, that goes into my question of like the history of wrestling sounds like it's like littered with a lot of things that now we would go like oh that's messed up you cannot do that now right like there's a lot yes. of like racist and problematic archetypes yes. okay yes and it almost you know for a certain extent that was expected of it mm -hmm. and if you were i had an old stand-up bit that wrestling is the only like it can never be racist enough <laughs> you always do more like if you're italian you're not just a little italian 
Like you have to have a meatball, you have to pull out right. a meatball from your pocket and yeah, wear the colors of the Italian flag. Mm-hmm. Like you have to, and it is like clown in a sense or children's entertainment yeah. where you have to just beat people over the face with Oh, right. I'm remembering. So did you watch Glow? Yes. Um, right. There was that character Welfare Queen. So they were yes. like, now does that still go on in wrestling? It, it, it goes on and it, it almost, cause I mean, obviously wrestling at that time was a parody of life. Yeah. And then people have those characters now as a parody of those characters then. Right. So they come from a different place, if that makes sense. It there's does. A guy's like... It does, but there's... I'm sure there's people in the audience who aren't getting that it, this sure. is a parody of that, you know? Yes, and then, but, you know, what do you do? Right, right. There's a, a guy named Effie who is takes that gay stereotype and turns it on its head aggressively what, like it's always i mean his catchphrases make a gayer <laughs> and he i and he's a hero and a you know a just great character and he's i think taken all of that and balled it up and like thrown it back in its own face mm-hmm. which is really interesting and also wrestling is always like a funhouse mirror of society mm-hmm. i think coincides with how we feel as a society about that stuff in general. Right. You know? Um, one more super uh, nerdy question, and then yes. we're moving on to just me or everyone. Hey, go fuck yourself. And then I have a yes. whole bunch of questions from listeners. Do <laughs> yes. you, do you like regularly read cultural criticism and stuff? This has, ex- <laughs> yeah, I mean, this of, has like excited what? me because I oh. used, to, well, so I was an English major. I went to, we call it college here. Well, no, mm. We call it either university or college, depending on if there's a grad program there. I went okay. to a college, um, mm. but a good one. But uh, so I read this stuff like a thousand years ago. It, it has yes. been many like there. This was a part of my brain I used. It's been many years since I have used it, but I'm still like sort of interested in this. But yeah, like, are you? Do you read this stuff still? Ever? Yes, you do. And I, I always, I mean, I'll just read it in general because I like reading it, but. You know, during the pandemic, I hadn't really wrestled. And then I was doing comedy videos. I was doing stuff for WWE for a year and a half. And then I started doing the stuff for AEW. And like, but before that, I was working on like, oh my God, if I started wrestling again, what would it be? And I felt, you know, you haven't done something for two years. You all of a sudden you feel old. Mm -hmm. So I went with that insecurity. And that led me to Sunset Boulevard. And whatever happened to Baby Jane, mm-hmm. and they called them, uh, I believe, hag exploitation. <laughs> and it was wasn't you know, Norma Desmond supposed to be like fifty one or something? Yes. <laughs> so you're like, oh my god! <laughs> and it was that idea of the the faded actress, which normally they would they had no film roles for you mm-hmm. when you were old, like goodbye, right? And then it was this new genre, and it was this new mix of of this glamour in a horrifying way. And it was like throwing glamour like back in its face. Right. And I started like incorporating those elements into a character I called Babyface. I don't know if you've seen. Uh, I saw that your pinned uh, tweet is the return of Babyface. Hag exploitation. I haven't heard that. I like that term. So, and it's this, this knowing like, yes, you are older and this business doesn't want you anymore. And it's, but, it's cinema about that. Right. And so I obviously, when I started drawing parallels and like, how can I, I just connected to it 
and an into because I'm so insecure. You know, I feel like I am 70. I haven't done something for so long, and I just started to identify with it. And I was like, how can I express that kind of feeling in wrestling terms? Mm, interesting. So yeah, that's an example of like reading cultural because you also want to make sure a lot of times in wrestling people go, oh, this Batman movie is popular. I'm going to dress like the Joker. There was like a million Jokers. I'm going to dress like the Riddler. And like, if you're going to send up something or draw inspiration from some sort of genre, like to me, it's you, you take on the responsibility of making sure you know it mm-hmm. and understand it and don't just copy it and say, oh, I'm going to put the white makeup on and I'm the Joker. And I was like, you know. Right. Right. It's semiotics. You want to know like what you're, what you're yes. indicating. Um, WWE for a year and a half. What were you doing with them and what was that I was like? doing so David, they had called David to do an interview for something. I, I had hooked them up because I have friends who work there and he was like, come on with me. He was like, we're tag team partners. I'm like, no, no, no. They didn't invite me. So he's like, no, no. So I clicked on the link and they were, it was some Zoom thing. They were trying to get a bunch of celebrities and wrestlers on at the same time. He basically smuggled me in. And the certain people had saw me and thought, oh my God, we can do stuff with this person. I mean, I, I had been doing a bunch of like comedy content stuff on my own. I think especially in the middle of a pandemic, they thought somebody who's adept at just talking at a computer would be good to have. <laughs> so I did a bunch of stuff for them. I did a a million different things that never actually materialized, which drove me insane. And then I did a comedy special after WrestleMania called WrestleMania After Dark, which was me interviewing people and doing bits for 90 minutes. And then I did a weekly interview series for them. And then let's just say a big hectic tide came and washed all of that away. Oh, no. And so I then I was adrift. And then I hear the sound of a dinghy. And lo and behold, it's it's Tony Khan and AEW coming out of the fog. And he was he was like, "You're not you're like you're available." I'm like, "Yeah." He's like, "Do you want to come do this stuff?" I'm like, absolutely. And he just gave me the green light. And it's been, I mean, the two things we've talked about, they, they just happen and they keep happening. I'm like, "Oh, this is so so perfectly bizarre." How did he? You said that he was a fan of yours. Did you know that he was yeah. a fan of yours? Like, did he just no appear idea. out of nowhere? He had uh, DM'd me on Twitter and he's like, oh, hey, I love your stuff. And then he quoted some bit I did like two years before that that I don't even remember the exact quote to. And he's just like, he's good at what he does because he really does cram the entirety of wrestling into his brain. And he has a good comedy brain and he's really flexible. And as much as he knows and does, he also obviously knows when to leave people alone and let them do their own thing. So he was like, come in, like, here's your producer and your editor and whatever. And like my editor is Kevin Sullivan, who's edited wrestling stuff for like 20 years, 30 years. And he's amazing. And then it just all kind of materialized. It was so nice. That's so great. All right. Let's do just me or everyone. This is a segment where people write in with things they think or do. And they wonder, is it just me or is it everyone? Uh, and I'm wondering if you have a just me or everyone. And we have a little song. Sometimes I ponder on something I have thought or done. Is it just me or everyone? Okay. Do you have a just me or everyone? I do. It's It was a personal, it's very personal. And I don't think I've shared it before. Is that okay? Of course. Ever? 
And it's it's from my childhood. I want to know if it ever happened to anyone else. Okay. If anyone was forced into a bizarre religious experience. Oh, I can't wait. People will write in and let us know. I went, the only summer camp I ever went to, ever, was a Salvation Army music camp, which was like a summer camp, but you learned, you had a music focus because they all play bands and they have trumpets and they play songs or you could sing or whatever. But beyond that, it was a camp. There was cabins, it was in the woods, and you play games and all this stuff. And and then, you know, you you pray before you eat. And then I think every Sunday or there was a little sermon thing. Not a big deal. Mm-hmm. Casual. Because Salvation Army isn't like crazy, crazy religious, you know. It's not like orthodox. So I'm like, okay, this is camp to me. Then on the last night, without warning, we are in the chapel, which is also like the meeting area. Mm-hmm. So it was like this town hall meeting thing. And I'm a kid. I don't know how. I'm in grade school. I have no idea how old I am. Third grade, maybe. Grade, grade three. three, perhaps. <laughs> and all of a sudden, something happens, and it's now we'll begin the whatever. And they started playing the song. The guy stepped down. And then this like counselor next to me started sobbing. And ran up to the altar and threw himself on the altar and started crying, like weeping uncontrollably. And then another adult did it. And then another one. And another one. And I'm like, what? What? All that we were having games and snacks and fun. What happened to the fun? Like nobody, there was no heads up about this at all. And then the sad music playing. So all these adults are crying. Well, now, of course, the kids start crying because this is very sad. You know, <laughs> uh, evidently, you start going, and then you're like, "Oh, I guess I gotta go up to this altar and, and cry." You know, whatever. I'm sad, and it's like there was this weird, cathartic, but cathartic without any reason right. for me. You know, and I always think about it, and I think, no wonder I'm so jaded, and no wonder I always think the fix is in mm-hmm. when I look at you know, it's even I can't even appreciate terry fader i always think there's some like, there's some take like there's some sort of scam going on yeah it's like that's an experience of like we strung these kids along and i also want to clarify it was my understanding that like that was pretty specific to the people who ran that camp mm. not oh, of the salvation army as a whole they do lovely things with the bells and christmas and the buckets but that was like oh my god and it's one of those things that I realized how much it affected me when I realized how much I I had buried it, mm-hmm. you know, because then when I re- remember it, I go, wow, that's not something that was addressed. Imagine if I were like, that's not just you. That's everyone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you did the crying thing. Yes, we all okay. did the crying There's thing. There's so much going on there. I mean, just to start <laughs> oh. at the top, to me, I've never really thought about this. Salvation Army is a place yeah. you go to get couches after college. Or a place you give old clothes or a place that collects money around the holidays. I never thought about like what is there or what do they do? What is their belief system? I never knew they ran summer camps, A. B, so you felt (laughs) like bamboozled and tricked. I was was bamboozled. You were bamboozled. I was bamboozled and I was tricked. I didn't just feel like it. But I didn't even feel like it. I only realized after, like, that was kind of like, hey, a heads up would have been nice. But you, 
But you felt that because the camp ended on this very strange ritual of crying without understanding why, that that reflected on the whole experience leading up to it, that that like yeah. tainted the whole experience leading up to it. Well, it felt like it was to gain my trust, mm. to get me in this situation. And now, because now I see people that I've bonded with and I'm trusting and now they're sobbing and they made me sad because I looked up to them and they were crying. But what was the significance of that final day? Like, what was that? Was that giving your life to Jesus or something? Probably, probably that kind of thing. Okay. And it was just yeah. like, I guess it was maybe like a come up and, you know, you didn't have to do and anything. And be saved. people get means. I feel like, did you run to the bathroom? There wasn't a... <laughs> when they explained what they were doing? <laughs> it just, there was no explanation. It just, so I thought it was one guy. Yeah. You know, always invariably in church, there's one person who's more emotional than everyone yeah. else. Fine. And then he, you know, went to his thing and ran up to the altar. And you're like, that's weird. Mm -hmm. And then the next person, the next person. And then, you know, I felt peer pressure to the sense right. that I felt weird not doing it. And I said, well, I guess I better cry. Mm -hmm. Everybody else is crying. Let's go up there. And now I'm up there and my head is in my hands. And I'm, you're almost like trying to cry. Right. Because <laughs> you want to be like, okay, this is what everyone else is doing. Yeah. yeah. That's so weird. So. That is so strange. So weird. So bizarre. Did you have you ever talked about it with anyone afterwards? Like anyone yeah. else who was there? What do they say about it? No, I no, I don't think I've ever spoken to anyone else who was there about it. I think my my like mother and father were aware that it happened, and they're like, "Oh, that's like a weird thing." They were not a you know, there's given no heads up given. Yeah, it was again. If you put crying night in the calendar, right. <laughs> I think I would have been archery vaulting. Crying night. Yeah. You can sign up crying. for your elective. <laughs> are you Arts and canoeing or are you crying? <laughs> so, and then I just, yeah. And I always want to find out who is in charge. And I wish I, and I don't even have anything to express to them. I just have questions. Yeah. Well, now I do too. Yeah. All right. If anyone listening has has done this, please. <laughs> if anyone has done these, I don't mean crying. Let us nights. know what that was. That's so strange. Yeah. Did, were you able to produce tears? Do you remember? I think so. Because there was, I mean, if there's adults you trust yeah. and they're sad. And right. Like it was a very, you know, they they forced that tone on you. Mm -hmm. I cried it when I watched My Girl. So it didn't take that much for yeah. me to cry as a child. Oh, I remember as a kid, if my dad ever cried, like it was instant. Like just seeing yeah. him cry, like tears instantly sprang to my eyes. Yes. But I also distinctly remember going up there and like kind of being sad but also looking around going like all right we're doing i'm not i don't think i'm really feeling it yes were you raised with religion so yeah the, i mean there was that but i had also gone to a catholic elementary school in canada which is it's like a public school but like instead of music they teach you religion mm -hmm. so like no uniforms no nuns or anything but i always to have that like that Salvation Army thing, and then to go to like a Catholic, like a Roman Catholic, where they set like it's the opposite, and they're like, "Hey, look, look, look at these veiny pictures of Jesus bleeding," <laughs> and then you're like, "It's so you know to be fed two different lines at the same time." You're like, "Okay, either one of you is wrong, right, or both of you are wrong," and it, and now I just look back and I go, "No wonder, like I can't genuinely accept." anything really mm -hmm. even a compliment i go what you what do you want from me <laughs> <laughs> 
Because it's that, you know what I mean? That's what you think adults, powerful adults do. Right. They bamboozle children into crying. It's so weird. Right. I'm, yeah. I've got to do some ferocious Googling when this is over <laughs> to find out what's going on. All right. Let's do now. We have a segment called Hey, Go Fuck Yourself. Would you have anyone yes. that you would like to tell off? So now this is something I have quite a <clears throat> concerted list of people. Great. And I talk about them quite often, but I want to bring one forth to you. And I guess see how you feel about it. Because it's, it's one that not a lot of people feel that much animosity towards. Oh, good. And that person is Stanley Tucci. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say people generally feel positively about right? the Tooch man. Yeah. Kind of almost in that Tom Hanksy territory yeah. of, oh, he's in this movie. I like him. Mm-hmm. I don't. I think the last time... I was on your show, we talked about how, like, when Ellen left and Oprah and Rosie, there was a mad dash to get the fill that daytime talk yes. show spot. Yes. Similarly, when Anthony Bourdain died, they seemed, I mean, obviously, they were squeezing as much out of Parts Unknown as they possibly could. Sure. You know, let's air on episodes and, the, you know, the documentary and whatever. And then there was, like, a small lull period. And then all of a sudden, on CNN, I see these ads for Stanley Tucci searching for Italy. (laughs) And I'm a person who, like, is really like, let's respect the dead. Mm. Let's not do something that, like, let's try for something new. And I so I felt like that was ill-timed. Number one, okay, to fill his to pick up the phone and go, hey, I think I think you have a time slot open, right? I just there's something about that that makes me feel weird. Mm-hmm. Number one, number two, I need Stanley Tucci to walk around Italy and tell me that there's good food there. I really need his expertise to uncover Italy. Like the guy's having just an espresso and like a cannoli, and he's like, mm, these are great. And I'm like, I needed you. You're getting paid. How much to vacation in Italy and eat shit? Like, this could have just been all B-roll. I don't need you here. Right. And then he pronounces foods in, talk about Uh the choice of pronunciation. Uh Uh-oh. The most pompous way possible. Oh, like mauve? Like mauve. (sighs) So maybe I hate him because I am him. But he says zucchini. Oh, no. Like, right? Doesn't it make your body feel weird? I... Don't, Don't feel... I reject that? Yes. How and he's else? Got How this... else? Anymore? I'm trying to think. What I... he's got this like zucchini. Ah. And he's got this like ASMR quality about him. And then there's this clip of him on his social media. I don't know who's filming him, his daughter or whatever. But he is. Di- it's on Instagram. He's actually directing the shot. She didn't cut out the beginning. And he goes. He's at a, a market somewhere, and he goes. Okay, I'm going to walk into the shot, okay? And then he steps back and walks into it. And I'm like, this, he's got it. How, you know, that much to me is like the tip of the iceberg. If you're directing, if you have to walk into your Instagram yeah. shot, all of a sudden you're, you know, a Cecil B. DeMille right. of Instagram. And I was just like, these things just rub me the wrong way. And I always feel like there's some sort of, uh, it's noble to to find things to not like about people who are well liked. Oh yes, <laughs> to Shakespeare me, is, said that. Uh, yes, to me this is I guess punching up. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> right. 
Yeah. Well, I'm not taking advantage of. It's punching up. I don't up. know. Yeah. I'm finding things that, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm breaking new ground here. So with all that being said, as a pioneer, I would like to say, hey, Stanley Tucci. Hey. 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 Go fuck yourself. You know, I agree with you. <laughs> I have to say, I agree with you. And I also, I, in the course of, I mean, I the zucchini an, el, alone is enough. <laughs> but I'm yes. realizing a little bit that I sometimes confuse John Turturro and Stanley Tucci. But I mm-hmm. like John Turturro. He wouldn't mm-hmm. have done this to us. John Turturro has kind of this, uh, uh, yes, like a crooked uh, smile mm-hmm. and a little bit of a lisp. Yeah. And uh, Stanley Tucci does not have that. He probably has an overcorrection. What is Stanley Tucci been in? What is he? No, like what's he been in? What do we know him from? He was in a movie with David Arquette called The Alarmist, which I don't believe you've seen or Mm -hmm. anyone has. He was in a movie with, I think, Tony Shalhoub. Okay. It's a cooking. There's a cooking movie. It's a big cooking movie. He was in The Hunger Games. I didn't see that. I think that that was neither did I, but I think that was a big. Let me let me look. I know he's been in like a thousand things. Yes, is he? Monk? But you don't remember that memorable, <laughs> right? No, Tony Shalhoub is Monk. Tony Shalhoub is Monk. He was in Devil Wears Prada. Oh yes, I did see that. He was in the Terminal with Tom Hanks, and Tom Hanks is like, "Oh, I'm lost." That sounds like a horrible movie. <laughs> Seems too real. And I only hope that you invite me back so I can talk about Tom Hanks next time. Oh, my God. Sure. (sighs) I was just listening to someone who was saying that – what was I listening to? Someone who was saying that, like, their thing is believing that secretly Tom Hanks is an asshole. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't think – I just think we've given him too much power. Yeah. I don't think he should be – he's playing uh, Colonel Tom Parker – in the Elvis movie, and you don't he's want also that. playing like he's also playing Geppetto in the live action Pinocchio, and he's playing he played Mister Rogers. Like pick one, right? Pick a lane, pick Buster. a lane. Just um, there's an, uh, so many old actors who could use the work. You have to be you have to be Geppetto, right? Like why? And I don't I can't think of a decent performance he's done since like Castaway, where I was like, oh wow, mm-hmm. you know. So like maybe just like I don't know, relax a little bit. You want to give him the business too? No, 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 not yet. I, okay. I have to look more closely at his car. I want to kick the tires on that. First. All right. That's, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's take some questions from listeners. <laughs> now yes. we have a song. When we ask, they send them in. They're wondering how you have been. So thanks so much for answering these questions from our fans. All right. Whitney C. on Patreon says, what are some characteristics of one of your favorite relatives and who is that person? My grandmother, uh, she smells wonderful and not in an old, shitty, like Lever 2000 kind of <laughs> She smells it's a very distinct perfume and it was it was hers and you smelt it and you knew your grandmother was there. What was it? Do you know? I've, I do not know. I'm sure I can ask. At some point, but I don't know. And knowing her, it was probably some sort of secret concoction. Mm. It was probably a blend. Right. Yeah. A blend. Okay. Now, on Twitter, we got so many responses, and I had starred some of them. 
How's David Arquette doing? I think we've covered that. Andrea Parides, best friend topic. Who's his BFF in and out of the wrestling world? Who does he wish was his BFF? And will he expand on making brunch in his undies? And what will that menu consist of? There's like four questions in there. Would you like me to, okay. to break them down? Yeah, well, in inside the wrestling business, I would say perhaps Dalton Castle. He is like the the positive end of me. He has he's a question for you. My yang. We'll he get, does have a question. We'll get to that me. one, yeah. Um, he's very sweet. He's very creative. He's very happy. He's very colorful. He's legitimately legitimately athletic. So we're like bizarro mirrors of each other. Very close with him. Outside of the wrestling world, I have a, a dear friend who is a, a comedian named Nug, who I talk to all, all the time. Nug? Work on a couple of things with Nug Norgang. Oh my God, that's a fun name. name. It's a, it is a fun name. And David, I mean, we're very friendly. I'm friendly with his kids and it's fun. And they call me Uncle RJ and then I feel this odd responsibility. (laughs) Who do I wish, she said, was my BFF? I have the biggest crush on Stephen Weber. Oh, from Wings. Yeah. He just posted a picture of him and Tim Daly. They used to be the play the brothers on Wings of them now. And I was like, you guys are so cool. And I retweeted it like, I was like, ah, this is great. And then will I expand on making brunch in my underwear? No, uh, two words, hot oil. You know? Yeah. You got to be careful. Be making French toast right. and flipping things and yeah. Um, no good. I have two children. And so I consume a fair amount of like mom content just yes. on social media. And... Uh, sometimes moms will post pictures of them. So there's like, I don't know if you're aware of baby carrying, which is where you wear your baby in like a, it's like a front facing backpack thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like a whole baby carrying movement. Um, like I went right when I, uh, like a few weeks after I had Elliot, that's my first baby. I went to this baby carrying meetup which was it's a whole separate story it was a, and then they all they cry at the end of it no but this guy this the woman who led it her husband they were like showing me the different care it's they are like it's a it's like a religious experience for them and he was like permission to touch you permission to touch you permission to touch before he would like adjust the thing on me he'd be like permission to touch you permission it was a very insane experience but anyway so they'll like have their baby strapped to their body but they'll be like making french toast and that seems so unsafe to me because it's like your baby is so close to the stove i as a child i still have it allegedly in the right light i have a red mark on my forehead from my mother was holding me as a baby you hold on the hip Mm -hmm. you know like that and she was frying bacon see there you go yes women can't have it all don't do it. Unless there's some sort of baby carrying with a sh- big shield. Yes. Yeah. I know. Uh, Why do you invent the shield? I know. It'd be like a little encasing. Yeah. It'd be like, like one those of those cat backpacks. Yes. Yes. Or yeah. one of those like super expensive early COVID mask iteration yes. bubbly things. Yes. Um, okay. <clears throat> Let's see here. I'm, I'm scrolling. I'm looking. A lot of these are from people I muted and I have to click on. <laughs> um, let's see here. Uh, oh, Zoel Lopez, his favorite underwear to make coffee in. Ooh, I don't like um, anything too long. I get very hot. That's the whole reason I started making coffee in my underwear is because I get very hot in the mornings. 
<clears throat> making coffee. I like the boxer brief, like the in-between mm-hmm. kind of thing. Sure. I like something like that. I'm into simpler colors now. Also, I found when you have to wear them on camera, you treat them differently. There's some that get very pointy. They have a seam okay. in the front of the crop, mm-hmm. and they make it look like you have like a pointy penis. Yeah. It's just weird, you know? So I need something that Holds me in. I don't like to go, you know, free falling. Do you have like, like a level of? Do you have special on cam undies? I do. Where I was like, oh, I'll wear these for this because they're fun to talk about, but I won't, you know, walk around in them. Right. That kind of thing. Bridget in Texas' favorite Golden Girls episode is probably the 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 rusty anchor one. Where B. Arthur sings What'll I Do at the bar. That's that's I mean it's my favorite scene. It's a wonderful performance. So that that would be my favorite episode. Alex G, how does he like outdoor patio umbrellas? Oh, this is from last week. I complained. I was having coffee with Nug on a patio. I was directly in the shade, and some older Italian man came by and he's like, Can I use this umbrella for my wife? And then I was like, <laughs> sure. And then he took it. Oh. He like moved the whole umbrella, and then I'm in the sun, and it was a it was a patio. Bully. Oh my god! Yeah, I feel like that was uh, reverse ageism. <laughs> yes, it was. Now, when you're making coffee, yes. what's your preferred co- method of making coffee? Well, I do have my own coffee uh, that I it's called high anxiety. Wait, do you and sell your own blend? Yes, yes. Oh, look you can at that. go to rootlesscoffee.com. They do like a little thing. And Dan Housen, are you familiar with Dan I Housen? am, yes. Okay, he has his own coffee too. And they're great. You get the whole bean. You should grind it on your own to you know maximum freshness. Mm-hmm. I find the making the pour over coffee is, will probably give you the best cup of coffee to make one cup. It's a long process. What I like to do is make a French press the night before okay. and then that's a cold brew french press yes because i can't have it's you know it's it's june it's very hot i wake up in the morning i have a hot beverage and be sweating for the rest of the day so i like to have a cold brew french press i uh you know i went through a french press phase myself and i found it was making me jittery i have for me huh. the level of but it wasn't cold brew right but i was getting um more caffeine that way but i but the flavor is so good mm-hmm all right. Enjoy the flavor. I, I drink it habitually. Yes. Yeah. Um, fully vaxxed, less, let's have snacks, says, ask him his favorite cast member of Just the Ten of Us. Who's in Just the Ten of Us? People. I mean, I know the characters. There was like Coach Lubbock. And... Oh, Bill Kirschbaum. Yeah, I wasn't really crazy about this show. Can I say... Well, De- Dennis Haysbert, I guess, would probably be the best one, and Frank Bonner. Dennis Haysbert is the uh, the insurance commercial. He's got the deep voice. Mm. And my, my least favorite, it's, it says that Robin Thicke was in an episode. Oh, okay. Yeah. But no, that's a show where it's like, meh. Eh. So anything like 80s is kind of after my time. 1987? Yeah. yeah. That's far after me. Dalton Castle, your BFF, yes. wants to know, where's my pudding? Where's my pudding is sometimes I, I find something that is so funny and then I need to spam it <laughs> to get it out of my system. And there was a Martin Short special where he played a Betty Davis character and he would say, where's my pudding? 
I don't, I do not know why, <laughs> but we thought it was the absolute funniest thing. And we would drive to Pittsburgh together, which was like 10 hour car rides. He would come from upstate New York and I meet him and we'd go down and like the whole way there and the whole way back. It's like those, those childhood sleepovers. <laughs> you're just, you're so stupid. So yeah, where's my pudding? And there's no answer. There is no answer, which is really something to think about. Mark wants to know, who was the best teacher in head of the class, Howard Hessman or Billy Connolly? I think Howard Hessman. Howard Hessman, are you familiar with his work? Yes. First of all, incredibly sexy on WKRP in Cincinnati in the raunchiest kind of way. But then really seemed like he was above show business. He seemed like a guy who was just too smart for this world. And he brought it into that character. Billy Connolly was too accessible. Not that I don't like him, but for that role, yes. Right. (sighs) RJ City, I think we've done it. We've done the definitive (laughs) RJ City interview. Uh, You didn't know this, but you can retire now. Oh, good. I wasn't doing that much anyway. <laughs> um, this is fantastic. This was so much fun. You will have to come back so that you can tell Tom Hanks to go fuck himself. Yeah. Let me let me kick that around a little. I have to workshop it. Yeah. Think about it. Um, tell everyone where they can find you. Plug all your things. Tell them where to get your coffee, etc. Rootlesscoffee.com. Just type in RJ City. My Twitter will come up. My Instagram will come up. My YouTube if you like coffee and underwear, it's Sunday mornings at 9.30 a.m. Eastern. Hey W is every Sunday at the crack of dawn on YouTube.com. Slash A At the crack of dawn not. <laughs> YouTube.com slash AW. You can buy my merch. I just feel like, you know, type in my name and, and you'll see a bunch of things. Does your name have the dots or no? I don't do them anymore. Oh, you did at one point. Well, yeah, you're supposed to, to denote the initials. Right. But I don't think, I think people have really gone away from initials altogether. I've gone away from the periods. Well, but it's your name. I mean, you get, you get to decide. Yeah. I don't like them. I try, I like to save as much space as possible. That's why I'm abbreviating it in the first place. I guess you're right. What is, what is it? What does it stand for? I, okay. I like to tell people it stands for Raul Julia, (laughs) but it stands for Robert John. My mother wanted John. My father wanted Robert. So and neither I was born one born to compromise. Yeah, <laughs> no one was happy, and there I was. <laughs> but like when I upload the episode and p- yeah. write your name, I should not put the dots. Correct. Save yourself the ink when you go to print. <laughs> oh, good. For your little zine. <laughs> okay. Don't put the period. Uh, thank you so much, listeners. If you like what you're hearing, or even if you don't, please make sure you're subscribed. Leave us a review. Five stars is my favorite number, etc. I read the reviews on the shows sometime. Um, so if you're listening in Apple Podcasts or what have you, leave us a nice review, won't you? And tell your friends. Listen to my other podcasts, Upworthy Weekly and Childish. I already mentioned Patreon. Um, and follow me on social media at Allison Rosen on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, yeah, thank you for listening. I love you. You matter. Goodbye. And most importantly, rest in peace, Carl Switzer. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry for what happened. It's fine. Yeah. It's okay. 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 Bye, everyone. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen Show? 